This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. On the show today, another episode of Going Back to the Archives. This time, we're going back to July 31st, 2019, episode 399. This is episode 867. Now, the gentleman on my show today is Mr. Michael Collins. He is from SugarAddiction.com. If you are eating something containing sugar that's not a fruit or vegetable, you might want to put it down because this episode is going to blow you away and is going to fundamentally change the way you look at food going forward. So enjoy this episode from the archives with Mr. Michael Collins right here on the Mark Stucheski podcast. Michael, welcome to the Mark Stucheski podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, man. I will tell you that this is, with the exception of the episode I did a number of months ago with the gentleman from Walt Disney World, he did some kind of algorithm software. You can go to Disney World any day of the year and actually see everything. I have not done any prep for this show, and I'll tell you why, audience, because this is such an easy topic to talk about without doing any preparation, because I know, Michael, that... We don't need sugar. And yet, if you look at the ingredients of 90% or 80% of our food, some crazy number like that, it has sugar in it. So let's talk about sugar and why we don't need it. Sure, man. Where do you want me to start? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's an 80% of our food products off the shelf. It's just a ridiculous uh, growth over the last 30 years of the high fructose corn syrup getting in the diet. And the obesity numbers model it. It just goes right next. I mean, you can put the two next to each other, and the and the graph is identical. And we went from almost no obesity, uh, and in children as well, but no obesity at all. Now we have a third of the country overweight, and a third. Actually, it's funny. I just heard the other day that um, we pat the obesity record or the obesity numbers passed the numbers of people that are just plain overweight. So it's more than a third are obese. Wow third are overweight so yeah it's it's uh you know before before we get into the why people are addicted to sugar you know when i read you know my bible and back in the day i think the sweetest thing they had was figs and we walked everywhere and we were very active no one sat around i don't think they had obesity problem back in the biblical days and Mm -hmm. but now we have smartphones and we have computers we don't even walk to the car anymore we don't you know, we have people bring food to our house. We have, you know, the guy brings the uh, Amazon guy brings the, the, uh, the packages to our door. We don't go shopping anymore. And so we're, we're not as active as we used to be. And our food is the cheap food is not good for us. The good food that you have to go searching for now harder and harder all the time is, is more expensive and it's harder to you know get a hold of. So why do you, let's start back at the beginning. Why do you think people are so addicted to sugar? Is it because it's so available? Or do you think it's because they're lazy? We don't know any better. Why do you think we're so addicted to sugar? It's a great question, Mark. And, and one that I think we're in the very early stages of, in the last five years, uh, starting with Dr. Lustig's video on YouTube that went viral, just no effort at all, went to a million views, now at 8 million views, it, we've really researched the brain chemistry around what sugar is. And uh, it hits the dopamines, it hits the serotonin, it hits everything, the oxytocin, it hits all of the reward systems in the brain and we're very early and people are just because it's been enculturated into our, our diet over the last 300 years since the, the days of the slavery and the, the Caribbean and back to growing England as the largest, you know, basically drug dealers in the world of the sugar and grew their entire empire on the back of sugar. It's been an enculturated thing that's something you can give to a one-year-old, but, you know, that's changing with the research and, you know, I'm the, I don't know if you saw it in my bio stuff, but I'm the chairman of a group, a nonprofit group called the Food Addiction Institute. And basically, we're trying to get sugar named in the DSM-5, which is the, the uh, medical, st- medical book that diagnosed for diagnosis for psychiatric stuff as a substance use disorder. Because, you know, we work with people day in and day out that are really pretty severely addicted to sugar. So, 
it's not just a you know a kind of sort of gee whiz it's a it's it's turning into a real medical issue mark and i agree with you a hundred percent and you mentioned drug dealers i think it's funny that if your drug dealer went into elementary school to give your kid heroin people go oh my gosh that's disgusting but yet sugar they're giving sugar for free and the kids are consuming it and it's not good. Your body does not say, Oh my gosh, I'm craving for sugar. It's craving water. It's craving fruits, vegetables, and good stuff for us. But sugar is in everything. And I think it is a drug. And I I hope you guys have success in this because people are so addicted. And I see people, I'm sure you have, you go someplace, they've got donuts, Danish, whatever, and people plow three, four, of these Danish or donuts in their mouth and mm. the body is just doesn't even realize what it's eating. Cause it's all empty calories. It's just all this is it's stuff that's not good for us. Oh yeah. I mean, we're way beyond empty calories. I actually thought of, of the dumbest ideas I've heard in a long time. Empty calories has become one of them. You know, it's like there, a calorie is not a calorie. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not, there's a difference between a, a calorie from a nutritious vegetable or from sugar, you know, sure, it'll give you a little bit of boost of energy, but that, that energy doesn't come from, you know, food or nutrition. It comes from the hitting that dopamine receptor, hitting that serotonin receptor. You know, it's energy that's just, uh, it's really, I mean, Gary Tubbs' book, The Case Against Sugar, it outlines, he's about three books researched so deeply, you can't even, one of them is 600 pages about the effects of sugar on the body. And it really is not just a yeah, it reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen this thing, George Carlin had a uh, thing about baseball and football, you know. I mean, calories are not calories. Sugar calories are are, are toxins. Uh, you know, they're just toxins. And, and, and this do- dose-dependent toxin, meaning the more you use, the more the toxin is in your body. So the idea that, uh, you know, empty calories or calories, it's like a a free pass, like George Carlin said, that's a free pass. You know, that, that's just crazy. I mean, it will affect you over time. It takes a long time. The sad part, Mark, is it takes a while. It takes 10, 20, 30 years for a pound a year to gain or to the for the diabetes to manifest or whatever it's going to be, the weight gain. But it does happen and it will happen over time. And from a productivity standpoint, when you are giving your body all this sugar, what happens is it's got to work harder, which means you have less energy. And so what I try to do 99% of the time is I try to drink water. The body is composed of 60% water. We're designed to drink water. And when you're thirsty, you shouldn't go get a soda or a pop, depending on what part of the world you're in, or some other sugary beverage. Your water your body wants water because you drink water. The body knows what to do with water. Okay. When you have sugary substance, your body goes, okay, I have to go through this liquid or this food and figure out where's the one tenth of 1% stuff that I could use. And the rest of the stuff, the rest of the stuff it gets rid of. Hmm. Oh, I mean, (laughs) you know, one of the symptoms of diabetes is frequent, frequent urination, right? Because the body is just trying to get the, the stuff out. It's just trying to get the sugar out, the worst in, worst first out kind of thing. And, I mean, even people who don't have diabetes who drink a lot of sugar are going to the bathroom a lot because the body's trying to get it out very quickly. And people that quit sugar, people that we work with that quit sugar, it's like they're, they're thirsty for days, like three or four days, like because they're literally dehydrated. They've been drinking all the sugary drinks, sugary beverages, but they're really not getting any hydration. It's actually, and caffeine, you add caffeine to the sugary beverages like cola or whatever, and that's a diuretic as well. So you're literally going in the wrong direction, just as you said. You know, the body knows what to do with water, but has no idea what to do with this stuff. Exactly. And one of the things I do now, I will admit, I do like my Diet Coke, but as a rule, I usually don't have it in the house. My wife and I usually go out to lunch once a week and we have Diet Coke and we we actually have water brought to our house with the big five gallon containers because I believe you're going to drink whatever easily available. 
So on Thursday, I walk out in the other room. There's this big water dispenser with this delicious tasting water. Well, yeah, I could go get soda, but guess what? I usually don't have soda in my house. Now, full confession, right now I have Diet Coke in the house, a little moment of weakness. Well, most times I'm drinking water. And I think if we just start taking small steps, we're not saying if you're you're drinking and eating a lot of sugar to stop it today because it won't stick. But maybe you should start drinking more water. Go get some bottled water and maybe have a glass of soda and then... A, a bottle of water and, and work your way off. And what you're going to find is when you get off the soda completely, you're going to have more energy and you're not going to be as thirsty, but I don't think anybody should go cold Turkey because I don't think that habit will stick. Will you agree with that? Well, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22 in that regard. It, the, the cold Turkey stuff or the all at the same time seems to be after a slight taper, depending on how big your habit is, is almost the only way of, see, there's a kind of a breakdown of people and you can kind of probably recognize it in alcohol that about a third of people uh, really can't biochemically ingest sugar and, and they really become addicted to it in a physical, physiological way. And you really can't outrun it both in diet and in, in, in the addiction. There's no way that your body can process it well. About a third of people are on the edge. They can go either way. And, you know, a third of people can take it or leave. It's kind of like your friends that drink alcohol and end up with an alcohol issue, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the the people that are a third that, that they're just biochemically can't handle it, and we don't know why yet. We probably won't know for 10 or 15 years scientifically. But those folks really have to go cold turkey. The other folks, yes, you're right, they can taper down and they can occasionally enjoy it. But, you know, as long as it's not a consistent daily thing. I agree with you. I will tell you, like I said, I like my Diet Coke, but if I don't have any, I'm not going through withdrawal symptoms. I'll just go get some water. I know some people have to have their Starbucks. They have to have their Coke, whatever, every day. I can't function without it. I'm like, have you ever tried giving up soda for a long period of time? Well, no. Well, how do you know? See, they don't, they haven't tried it, so they don't know. They just assume that they need the caffeine. Well, do an experiment. Go get some water, and next time you're really thirsty, drink a bottle of water and see how you feel because the water is going to cleanse your system. It's going to be easily absorbed in your body, and you're going to be able to cleanse the system. The soda is just complicating the problem, but I think it's because it's easy. It's it's, it's in the refrigerator. The beer's in the refrigerator. The wine's in the refrigerator, whatever, and we go for that instead of water because people say, well, water's boring. Well... Well, well, first of all, what kind of water are you drinking? I drink, here in Texas, we have something called Ozarka water. It's mountain spring water. It tastes really good. Yes, there is horrible tasting water. So first of all, I would say is fine, good tasting water. Because if you don't like the taste of water, you're not going to drink it. Would you agree with that? Uh, you're hitting the, you're talking, you're asking the wrong guy that question, man. I, I literally have a water bar. I have water from all over the world. Oh, Interesting. And- Water tastes different. Believe me, water yes. <laughs> I do not drink. I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, strangely, I've become a little bit of a water snob, and I only drink water in glass. Um, the water that I have sitting right here is from uh, the Caprian Mountains in Croatia. I'm not kidding you. And so it's like there is a difference between the taste of water, and people should seek out the best taste of water a lot of areas of the country, like uh, Ozark down there, they've got, you know, different mountain valley. They've got all kind of waters all over the country, all really good, all delivered, like you say, in the five-gallon stuff, or they can buy it at their store or whatever. And it's very inexpensive, strangely enough, compared to soda. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a great alternative. And if folks got more into the water and understood it more, it'll get a water filter at their house if they need to for their cooking and stuff. Absolutely. Water is the best choice. I remember the first time someone suggested I try a bottle of Fiji water. And I'm Mm. like, it's water. And I opened that bottle and I drank and I'm like, this is the best water I've ever tasted in my life because I've always had tap water before then. I'm like, oh my gosh, water can actually taste delicious. And guess what happens? When it tastes good, we're more likely to consume it. Sure, exactly. There's a guy here. I'm in Los Angeles. A guy here. He's a water sommelier. I think that's a pronouncing that right, like wine. Oh, wow. And and he uh, 
and they have a certification and all that kind of stuff. And, and there really is a difference. I mean, you can taste the difference between different waters. Some of them are, I mean, it's just awful, just terrible. Forget about some of the tap water. I come from central New York near Syracuse, and the Syracuse water supply is supplied by a, a lake called Skinny Atlas Lake, right? It's like the one of the 100% purest places on earth, and the water tastes great right out of the tap. But that's not the case in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> you got Facebook? Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, and I have a Facebook group both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. <laughs> it's amazing. And I and I just can't emphasize people enough that we need to drink more water and pure water. Don't add anything to it like flavoring. If you're so addicted to soda, Yes, water is going to taste boring, but if you give yourself a chance to start drinking more water, you're going to very quickly adapt and go, oh, this is delicious. But don't get reverse osmosis water where that's the cheapest bottle of water you can get, which takes out everything. Go get mm. yourself some natural spring water because it's got some natural flavor in it. And I love my water. I really do. Although I, I admit, Michael, sometimes I do have weakness and Diet Coke will be on sale and we'll do it for a while. But I still have water. Even the days I have Diet Coke, I still have water. So I never go a whole day without drinking water. I use an app uh, on my iPhone called Waterminder. And I track how much hydration they have because not just water, a lot of people are severely underhydrated because they don't drink enough. They, they, they're just not paying attention, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. So your story is fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating that you have been sugar free for over 30 years. And I think it's funny. I made, I made fun of this when I intro introed you, um, you raised two sugar free children. So are you saying your children are not sweet? <laughs> <laughs> they're good kids. They're very good. They're little, they're adults now, but uh, yeah, they were, uh, they're very good kids. And honestly, I believe they're a good kid simply because they didn't have sugar. I mean, I have studied this for many, many years now and I see children having temper tantrums. And I mean, this sounds crazy as a parent, but my parent, my children never had temper tantrums that way. They never, you know, like if, I'm sure you've seen this, uh, Mark, where you're in the grocery store and the kid's sitting in the cart and he's trying to get at the, sh the candy bars and the checkout line and literally rocking the cart and crying and screaming at the top of his lungs, right? <laughs> My kids had no idea what that was. They, they used to build it like colored blocks. They didn't even know what it was. They had no idea. Wow. Yeah. So why? Well, let me ask you this question first. If someone's listening to our conversation today and they said, you know what? I know I eat and drink too much sugar. But uh, Michael, where do I, how do I start? How do I make the transition for getting sugar out of my life? What would you tell them? What would be the first and the second step you would tell them to start getting control of the stuff they're putting in their bodies, which is basically a toxin? Because I read a study someplace not too long ago. They're thinking that high consumption of sugar may lead to cancer. I don't know if they've actually proven that or not. Do you know if they've proven that or not? Well, I mean, there's no definitive proof, but we have a yearly Kick Sugar Summit. We had Dr. Lewis Cantley from Cornell on, and he, we asked him point blank on the interview like this one, you know, um, does it cause cancer? He said, yes, it causes cancers. And some scientists are now are willing to say that, but they have a, a lot of opposition. It takes a while. You know, to answer your question, uh, how folks get off it. It's mostly what you, you and I are doing here. It's, it's awareness. It's awareness that this is just not an innocuous substance that is a little sweet. This, this could be, and it's not no one's fault. I mean, people want to blame somebody all the time. It's no one's fault. It evolved into our system over 300 years. And now is, uh, you know, the food manufacturer, I have no problem with those. They're trying to maximize shareholder value, trying to do the best they can. But now we realize this and we need to be aware. And you will be a little bit of a pioneer. There is a lot of pushback from family, from schools, from workmates, 
they think moderation sometimes is the answer. But for that one third of folks that I mentioned to you that really can't use the products without you know, having health effects or having, you know, gaining weight or, you know, just having, it's really, this is the part, and, you know, this would fit right into your podcast. It's, it's that mental time that you lose thinking about should I, shouldn't I, that or that, back mm. and forth. I mean, if it's part of your life or not part of your life, you can just draw a line and be over with, right? There's no one that I've ever worked with whose life did not get better in a million different ways when they quit the sugar, right? Just even whether they were addicts or not addicts, that once they dropped it and had a little bit of eternal vigilance, then they did very well and, and, and things changed. But um, you got to start and you got to be aware. I always say, look, you got to test, right? Test your beautiful body. You got this beautiful body. You're an adult. I call it adulting, Mark. You probably like that. It's like <laughs> yes. You're an adult, right? Look, let's go 30, 60 days without it. If I told you not to eat broccoli for 30 days, you'd do it. And then we'll have a problem. Not to eat steak. Well, I like steak. Well, you're going to test your body, see how it works. And you would do it. So here we are. Let's just test it. 60 days, no sugar. 90 days, no sugar. 30 days. I don't care. Just make a test. What happens is people can't seem to do it. That should be a clue right there that they can't seem to make it 30 days. They could make the steak. They could make the broccoli. And so if, and then see if they lose a little weight, see if their brain fog clears up, see if their skin clears up, you know, just test it out. That's all. What about peer pressure? Let's say you're going to go sugar free. And then you go to a networking event, you go to a meeting, and they got Danish and donuts and orange juice and all this other stuff, and, and you're the only one. And it's like, oh, you know, wh- how does someone do something like that? Because obviously, all these companies, they always put the sugar in all the meetings or the networking events. So if you are trying to go sugar-free, how do you handle going to a situation like that? Another great question, and literally uh, uh, one of the modules in some of the stuff we speak about, because look, it's important. I mean, we wrestled when we were raising the kids with the schools, the grandparents, the uh, the other kids' parents, um, everyone, they, they think we're harming them or whatever. <laughs> they're, they're depriving the poor children, right? And the same thing happens to adults, right? If you say, I'm going to quit sugar or whatever, and everyone's got that same line, oh, just a little won't hurt, right? Well, some folks who can't take just a little because it gives them cravings, and then they're on their way to 7-Eleven from the networking event, right? So you got to, you know, you got to look at it as a whole, and the social part of it is very, very important. And you've got to learn to say no pleasantly you've got you don't want to get people you don't want to draw them into a conversation about it you just want to say no and and what i always use is i've used it for 30 years in restaurants and only two people have ever asked i say "No, no i can't have sugar and the major assumption is that you have diabetes, and they back right down. Oh, <laughs> say, no, I can't have sugar. And they, that. yeah, yeah, no. The major assumption is that that you have the diabetes, but no one ever asks, and they're and they're very accommodating after that. So, anyway, a little tri- one of the little tricks we use. Now, I'm sure you've never heard this before, but Michael, everything without sugar tastes like cardboard. What am I supposed to eat? Right. No, no. The what am I supposed to eat for sure is like they and and all I say is whole food. Just go on the outside. You've heard this before, I'm sure. You go on the outside of the grocery store and you go where the meat and the seafood and the fruits and the vegetables and the dairy occasionally or whatever, eggs. And and, uh, you just get nothing in a bag, box, can, package. Uh, You just if you got to read the label, it's probably a chemical experiment. I I, I don't want (laughs) to see drastic or anything but it really is a a minefield trying to read the i mean just now in 18 and 19 2018 and 19 that that the added sugars are going to be on all the labels instead of just the plain sugars but but yeah people think that and one of the things you were talking about the water and you talk about other foods and children that are raised but people but i don't like foods that are like pasta and bread and these other kinds of products that are sugar filled. And that's a problem. You know, it does take time for your 
taste buds to readjust. But once they do, the other stuff tastes terribly sweet. I mean, seriously yes. sweet. Yeah. Yes. I could tell you that I'm not as good as you. I, I will admit that up front. But when my wife and I go to McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, for our Friday lunch, and I, I pig out. I mean, I literally pig out. on. I allow myself to get all the sweet stuff. A couple hours. you think I'd learn, but a couple hours afterwards, I'm like, oh. I feel like crap. Why do I eat that stuff? And I do it every week. Now, eventually, one of these days, my brain's going to go, hey, dummy, how about if you don't eat that stuff anymore? Let's just start there. But what what happens is, for me, and I wrote down a question, it'd be here before I forget, it's everything in moderation. Whenever someone says everything in moderation, I'm like, oh, so you can beat your spouse in moderation? You can, <laughs> you can have heroin in moderation? No, you can't. That's not good. And I think because people are going... Well, it's food, and surely, Michael, surely the 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 sugar lobbyists—they wouldn't lie to us, would they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not going to get it. We can't get into that one because it, yeah, they carry a big stick. Still. Yes, yes, they um, do. They do. But the moderation thing is—you uh, know—you're right about the heroin. You're right about the spousal abuse. I mean, you cannot. The people who have a real issue, and I do this thing. I do. You, you're old enough; you'll remember this guy. His name is Rodney Dangerfield. Remember yes. Rodney? Yes. So Rodney had an act for your younger viewers. That, go Google uh, it. <laughs> go look yeah, up. Go, go, go Google him on uh, on YouTube. You'll like him. Anyway, he says, "I don't get no respect." I don't. That was his tagline. Right? I don't get no respect. And he used to uh, say that and not even have to say a joke. Right? He'd just say, "I don't get no respect," and people would laugh. And and sugar gets no respect as a drug, a psychoactive drug that, that could possibly harm you in a lot of different ways, mentally, physically. I mean, they're calling diabetes uh, Alzheimer's 3, for goodness sakes. You know, that should be a clue. And so it's, you know, they can't, they're, they're trying to figure out whether or not they can use this product in moderation. And they've never done our little experiment that we just talked about. They've never tried without. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, moderation is probably the enemy of uh, of this thing for sure. Now, what about fruit? A lot of people will say, well, fruit has sugar in it. What's the difference between sugar in a Snickers bar and sugar in a Honeycrisp apple? Man, you're you're doing your research and get, digging deep now. Well, this is not my first time I've had a guest on the show, so I'm educating myself. I'm 54, and I plan on living to triple digits, so I'm educating myself. I'm a becoming more aware of what I eat. Cool, cool. Well, here's the thing, and, and the eminent Dr. Lustig, who just uh, retired so that he could do this full-time and got a law degree so that he could affect policy, has had success now. Uh, isolating the, the the bad metabolite, and that metabolite is fructose, okay? Fructose, the fructose in an apple is no different than the fructose in a Snickers bar. It's really, I mean, and I asked him point blank when I got to interview him was, Dr. Lustig, do you think that fructose is a psycho? He didn't even let me finish the question. Psychoactive drug? He says, yes, and we have a lot of evidence for that. And that the fructose, especially like when you think about orange juice with no fiber, it's straight fructose to your liver, right? And this is what is causing the fatty liver disease in children because it's metabolized different than glucose, which is the other half of the table sugar molecule. And so the fructose is just now coming to the fore as the, the like in nature, Mark, if you were to look at a banana 300 years ago, it's just all full of seeds. You can't really eat it. And it's been hybridized. Fruit has been hybridized for um, 300 years for the sweetness. I mean, come on, let's look at a navel orange, right? How does a product in nature continue if there's no seeds? So here we are in a situation where we've got straight fructose, um, you know, we were supposed to eat a little bit so that we would spread the seeds around, right? And, and it had an effect on us, made us feel a little bit better. But there was just, and it was only once a year when it was ripe. So now that we have it 24-7, 365 in all the grocery stores, you have to look at the fruit sometimes. You have to look at an overwhelming amount of fruit or fructose, the same as sugar. So having an apple is good sugar well it's not really good sugar but i guess it's it comes with vitamins and minerals where if you just have a snickers bar 
it's basically just pure nonsense for your body is that am i understanding you correctly yeah exactly right but there is there is fiber in the fruit and it does help it pass slower instead of hitting the liver all at once but when you're eating a when you're drinking a juice a fruit juice now we're talking no fiber straight to the liver (laughs) and that's a tough one for the body now when you started your now were your kids raised sugar free from birth or did you make the transition at some point during their lives when you became aware of the sugar addiction in our country you know they never had sugar in the womb until they were 6 years old wow. um yeah no i don't know how i talked my wife into that. <laughs> <laughs> she went with it so you know no flour no sugar no caffeine in the womb until they were 6 years old and you know, I, honestly, look, I mean, I just, there's a guy, it's a long story, but he uh, runs a, a group called Nutrition for Recovery for Alcohol and Drugs. And he was talking about that the first thousand days are very important for brain development, right? And I just think, you know, uh, the story is kind of mind boggling about my boys. Um, but the, I just really believe that their brain developed better because they were, they did not have sugar in their early days. And then I'll never forget the day it happened. We were at a, gro- at a birthday party, an outside birthday party, and it was in a roller skating rink, and the cake and ice cream came out, and both of them looked at me, and they're twins, and they both looked at me, and, the, and they said, can we please, you know, they didn't even say anything, but can, like the look, can we please, Dad? Can we please? <laughs> and so we gave in. It was six years of, like we said, fighting the, the schools and the grandparents and everybody. And so that time after that, at the outside birthdays parties once a month or so, they did have sugar, but. Mostly, we never had it in the house or anything like that. But yeah, no, they they were sugar-free kids for sure. I get it. You want productivity tips, but your email inbox is, well, out of control. When you follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram Messenger, you'll receive daily bite-sized productivity tips delivered to your phone or desktop for free. Let me help you become more productive, step-by-step, day-by-day. Follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram today. And I will tell the audience that if you dispute what we're saying, give up sugar for 30 days and then go have your favorite dessert. It's going to be so sweet to you. You're going to be shocked and you won't don't take Michael's word or my word for it. Try it yourself. I guarantee you, if you give up sugar for 30 days and then go have a nice piece of cake or pie, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, it's the same pie or cake. It's just that you have cleansed your body for 30 days and your body's going, what in the world is going on right now? I'd like to add something to that. If they can actually accomplish it, the 30 days, see what happens to your, your mind, your, 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 what happens to how you feel after you ingest that, new, that same favorite product, right? You're going to feel like you had two martinis, like the, the world's going to be a little brighter. You're going to feel a little bit better, and you're going to be like, whoa. Also, during the withdrawals, if you make it for the first five or six days and you have headaches and lethargy and all these things, and you really want to go back, try it and see how quickly the sugar will alleviate the headache and alleviate the lethargy and put you right back to normal. That should tell you right there. That should be a clue. Yeah. And now if you want to know how to go sugar-free, it starts with, as Michael already said, bringing awareness to yourself and looking at the labels. You have to read the labels because I got caught into, oh, Cliff Bars, they're made with all organic stuff. Um, Organic sugar is still sugar. It doesn't matter if it's organic high fructose syrup or conventional. It's still sugar. And I think I always think it's funny when I go down my supermarket aisle and it says organic sugar, organic candy. Really? Are we worried about if the sugar is organic or not? It's still sugar. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Full stop. Yeah. So what I need to do is I was really good for a while there, Mike. I mean, I was really, really good of not having a lot of sugar. I would have some sugar, but I've come off the wagon because my wife and I operate under the policy, don't have it in the house. That way, if you go to a Christmas party, okay, you can gorge yourself for a couple hours, whatever, at the Christmas party. But if you don't have it in the house where you live... Then you're more likely to, to, okay, you fall off the wagon once in a while. But if you're buying 
the ho-hos, the uh, ding-dongs, the ice cream and the popsicles and the soda pop, and you have it in your house, your brain is going to take you there first. And so I would start with your home base where you spend the most time and make that sugar-free. And then if you go out and fall off the wagon when you go out to you know dinner with someone, you want to get a piece of pie or something like that, that's fine. But the more you give up sugar... That pie is not going to taste as good as it used to take. I just I, taste. I just want people to realize that. Yep, no doubt. It'll taste like syrupy sweet. <laughs> I, they actually did a survey. It was weird, and they, people don't understand it that the uh, the the main complaint of some of these food products that people are the the food manufacturer coming out with is the customer says that 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 you're too sweet. And they're not listening to them. You know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it is strange. And I, I, I will tell you that when you try to make the transition to sugar-free, you're going to get people going, why are you doing that? And they're going to make fun of you. Mm. But the thing is, what is your goal? Do you want to have more energy? Do you want to be healthier? Do you want your – and you have more energy because we alluded earlier – if you're not eating all the sugar, your body doesn't have to work as hard. That's why you have more energy. And you're going to feel criticism. People are going to be like, oh, how come you're eating raw carrots? How come you're eating raw broccoli? What are you, crazy? No, I just want to live a long life. And I, I don't think we know, because you said this earlier, I don't think we really know how bad sugar is for us. I think we're early in the game. I mean, the sweetest thing they had, as far as I know, I wasn't around when Jesus walked the earth. The, the sweetest thing I had think they had back there was figs. They didn't have Dunkin' Donuts and ice cream. If you wanted something sweet, you would have figs. And now to find good, healthy food is more of a challenge these days. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, I mean, one of the things that we haven't brought up and you know, talk about energy is like a lot of people, when they quit, they don't realize that the brain fog created by sugar is so enormous that you're literally again they call in diabetes uh, or uh, yeah uh, alzheimer's diabetes three and and all of the research now is focused towards that reward center of the brain and when people get off the stuff they have this clarity of thought which is so much better and i also believe that and this is early in the fructose research and and I, just in working with so many people over the years, I've seen people, their ener- not so much their energy level, but their, well, I guess it would be their energy level, but their, their um, motivation for everything in life changes to so positive. And I actually believe, like marijuana, I think sugar is an amotive, creates a symptom, symptom, syn- syndrome called amotivational syndrome. I really believe that. People call it couch potato <laughs> these days. I mean, they have a, a slang for it because they're eating bonbons on the couch instead of you know, <laughs> out there running or, 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 or you know, starting a business or doing something else. But I think it, the, the interrelation of people who have quit and that I know of, hundreds of them that, have, that are no longer, those are two of the benefits that are outside of the physical. Well, I guess mental is physical, but outside of the weight and the health or, you know, whatever, is that mental clarity you get and the, and the gain in motivation for everything in your life. So I think it's a real positive when people look at it that way. Well, as one who has been sugar-free for over 30 years, share with us, what do you eat? Because I'm sure people listening to this episode are going to go, okay, Mark, please ask him what kind of food does he eat? So share with us some of the foods you eat that are you find very delicious and very tasty. So we have some ideas inside how this sugar-free lifestyle is. Yeah, sure. No problem. I... Uh... I've done a lot of different experimenting with diets over the years and I've been vegetarian and vegan and raw food vegan and, 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 and I'm the research now for me, and I'm not afraid to, you know, go against any dogma or whatever. I'm doing it all for health. Right. And so today, currently I am, I guess what would be called like similar to a keto diet. I eat uh, uh, fatty meats and fishes and, um, all kind of green, leafy green vegetables. I love leafy green vegetables. I, I actually happen to like the taste of them. Um, but I, you know, all this research says they're wonderful for you. I really have gotten off the fruit and the grains, but that was late, late in my years. It's only been like three or four years now. But I had a lot of 
improvement physically when I got off the fruit and the grain, you know, the high fructose and the grains. Uh, my hair was falling out. The hair came back, even my barber said. I mean, my teeth, the periodontal, my eyesight had changed a little bit. I got the first cavity in 30 years. Um, and that, you know, that stuff went away. So, I mean, it really, it's an evolutionary process that you have to, and this sounds trite, Mark, people don't want to pay attention to this feeling or this thought or this construct is that you have to listen to your body and do the research and then do the experiments that you and I have been talking about through this podcast is that, you know, let's see how your body treats certain things, but I eat delicious, um, all kind of cuts of meat and fish and chicken and and uh, uh, all kind of great vegetables. I'll take I'll do an occasional berry, uh, blueberries or strawberries or something occasionally, and some macadamia nuts occasionally. But I've been cutting back on them, trying to trying to figure out if my body really uh, can live without the this this many carbohydrates, right? So, and I don't, again, I don't preach any diet. Like I have coaches that are vegans. I have coaches that are keto. I have people that work for me and with me that um, we're diet agnostic as long as it's not a package or a bag. As long as it's a whole food, um, then you're going to be good. So if we showed up at your house and you invited us in, what kind of snack food would you share with us? Okay, so you're bringing up a very interesting topic, right? And this is, this is I actually believe in, um, I've got a friend of mine who's a doctor, he's a bariatric surgeon who's done 8,000 bariatric surgeries and now will no longer do the surgery unless you understand this addiction construct to carbohydrates and, and sugar mostly in flour. And he believes, and I'm beginning to believe this, and I, when our, my little phrase of adulting, I, I think that snacking in general is an emotional break, be it from work or whether it's television and, and sitting around after dinner or whatever. It's more of an emotional break than it is a, 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 a nutrition break or, or something where you need to live. And I think if people did the experiment, um, and didn't snack for 30 or 60, 90 days and just ate their three meals a day um, and maybe even two meals a day, I think they'd be much better off. I, I don't snack, to be honest with you. And uh, there are currently no nuts in my house because that would be my only go-to. Uh, so the answer to my question is if I drop by your house, I, I, better, I better have something in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're coming for dinner, you know, you'll have a great dinner, but you're not going to get much after dinner snacks. But yeah, I think that's another topic for another podcast where people we absentmindedly will sit there and just put food in our mouth and not even pay attention. So one of the things I've done for several years now is I use an app to track all my food because what they're finding out when you want to have almonds, potato chips, whatever the case may be, and you actually weigh them, you're going to eat less than if you just bring the whole bag out and you just like watching TV or sports, whatever you just, you know, spoon in one, one chip or whatever in your mouth at the time. So taking the couple seconds to weigh it and, and enter it. Cause no one's going to open up an app and say, I had 37 Oreo cookies. You're just not going to do it. And so there's little things you can do, but I think it's really important that people, like I said, the biggest thing you said is talking about awareness. And I think that's really important. So what is another tip that you can give people before we wrap up today that, if they said, huh, I really want to try this. You talked about the 30-day challenge. You talked about bringing awareness. Any other tips that you can give us that we can grab a hold of so we can maybe start the journey of becoming sugar-free? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think it's really, again, it's not so, so the, the awareness for sure, but it's the information and the testing it on your own body. But um, I think you have developed some organically in your quest uh, processes that work, which is, you know, not having it in the house, um, uh, being committed. There's an eternal vigilance to this because of the society we live in. So if you, you know, make your home a safe space, that's the great, a great first step, you know, and if you're aware, and I think if you do the uh, research on, people don't seem to be attracted to this research because man, this is going to be taking away my favorite. What's something, something, my favorite thing, you know? So 
they don't do that. And I think if, if people are health conscious, which most people try to say that they are, and they did just a little bit of research on sugar and fructose that they would end up way ahead of the game. Yeah, just take baby steps. I mean, yeah. you didn't become addicted to sugar and got overweight and have no energy with one Snickers bar. And so it's going to take time. But if you are really dedicated and you really want to become sugar-free, you can do it. The thing is, is that, yes, is kale as sweet as ice cream? No, but your body will adapt. And I think a lot of people are afraid of, oh, I don't want to eat cardboard the rest of my life. I said, well, it's not cardboard. The problem is you're addicted to sugar. I was. We were talking before I started recording today, uh, the movie Fed Up. Go watch the movie Fed Up or go rent the movie Fed Up or go buy it. You will be shocked of how much sugar is in our food. And just do some research. I mean, you've listened to this podcast. Just go to Google and type in how do I break sugar or, you know, the downfalls of sugar. The information's out there. Don't just because it's available at the meeting or the networking event. Once in a while, it's okay. The problem is people are eating McDonald's, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. Once in a while, it's okay. If you have, you know, McDonald's once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, that's not going to kill you. The problem is, is you're not eating, you know, the, the, the greens and the fruits and the vegetables and all the stuff that's good for you. All you're eating is crap. It's going to take time to turn it around. And I think people are going to want an instant fix and there's no instant fix. It's going to take time. Like you said, testing. And I think people... You're going to get more energy, which means it's going to make you more productive if you would take these steps. So, what, listener, what's the thing you can do today as a result of this conversation with Michael? What is the thing you can do today to take that first step to going sugar-free? Now, you may not go sugar-free for six months, nine months, or a year, but what can you do today that's going to get the ball moving in the right direction? Because I think if you just ponder it, it's never going to happen. But if you do something you're more likely to succeed. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You've got to, you got to replace the, uh, um, the bad with some good too. find some new good stuff, you know, find stuff you like, find a new meal you like, find a new place that doesn't have sugar stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. And just read, and just read the labels. I mean, like you said, Michael, when you go in the store, all the end caps have all the sugar and high fructose syrup, all that stuff in there. You have to hunt, literally hunt for the good stuff. There's a reason for that. The reason for that, the reason why the lettuce is buried. Okay. And, and just so you didn't misunderstand what I said earlier, organic sugar is not good. It's still sugar. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's organic, it's still sugar. So, well, Michael, we covered a lot on the episode today, but we can go to sugaraddiction.com. So awesome. You got that domain, sugaraddiction.com, for more information. And so tell us a little bit more about where we can find you and the services you provide. Yeah, we have uh, do-it-yourself stuff on the site. Uh, you know, you can try and do it yourself. I mean, I actually think that folks need support to do this. They really need a, a group setting. So we have a private group on Facebook. I've got a book on Amazon that's free. Uh, the last resort sugar detox, no charge if you're in the United States. Um, small charge, I think, on Kindle if you're in, in other English-speaking places. Um, we have coaching. I mean, if somebody's dead serious and really has a serious problem, they can go to sugaraddiction.com forward slash call and book a call with me for 30 minutes, and we can figure out, you know, if you're, if you're really ready to do this, we'll do it. But, yeah, there's a um, – I got a something, I don't know the actual <laughs> URL of it, but, you know, we have a master class about <clears throat> the myth of sugar detox. A lot of times, Mark, folks try and detox, and then they go right back to it, which is sometimes kind of worse, you know. You want to make it a lifestyle. You want to make it happen over time, right? You want to be able to uh, um, either – cut way back and make it a lifestyle or completely quit if that's what you think you need to do. So yeah, lots of ways to reach us. Um, most of this, the site, we've got a page on Facebook, got 12,000 people. Um, just I, or sugar addiction doc or facebook.com forward slash. I can never remember these things. Quit sugar <laughs> now, I think. But yeah, I mean, you'll look at it. If you put sugar addiction in Facebook, it'll come up. <clears throat> okay. 
it's the first one. So yeah, we've got lots of ways to reach us. And there is, like you said, lots of information out there. I would advise folks to be careful. Some folks are, most sugar detoxes out there are an extension of a diet plan of some sort or a multi-level marketing kind of plan. So be careful. And they're, if they're trying to sell you uh, what do you mean, supplements and, and shakes and smoothies, and that's probably not going to get you where you want to go. I will say this, that Arianna Huffington's book, The Sleep Revolution, will rock your world for sleep. Gary Taub's book, The Case Against Sugar, will rock your world. It's, it's not a book you want to read before bed. It's very heavy, very deep, but he does his research. So if you go, ah, what do Michael and Mark know? Go get the sugar, the case against sugar and read it. It'll scare the crap out of you. I mean, because the sugar lobbyists don't have your best interest in mind. They want your money. And so go get that book. Actually, I'm actually inspired because of our conversation. I'm going to go back and reread that book because it's a book I think everybody needs to read. It is scary because Gary has data. He has scientific data to prove it. It's not his, it's not his opinion. And I think if people make themselves aware and educate themselves, they're going to realize that sugar is not your ally. It's your enemy. And if you want to live a healthy, energetic life, you've got to get rid of sugar. And I know the people who love their pastries and their bonbons and their Snickers. It's like, but it's just one Snickers. Yeah, but you have one Snicker a year. It's one thing, but you're not having one Snickers a year. You're having one Snickers a day. That's the problem. So yeah, I think people should make the choice. I, I'm inspired as a, as a result of our time together that I'm going to you know tell my wife, no more Diet Coke in the house because it's here. That's what I go for. I don't go for the water. I go for the Diet Coke. If My doctor told me that a number of years ago. Don't have the stuff in your house because you're not going to get in your car, drive to Walgreens to get a Diet Coke. You'll drink the water. So don't have the stuff in the house. It's really simple. When you go shopping and you come home, the family goes, where's, where's the Coke? Didn't buy it. Why? You don't need it. And, and you can start gradually making your family become a healthier family. So, Mike, I almost called you Gary. <laughs> Michael, absolutely. Great book, by the way. Great book. Yes, it is. I'm going to go reread it again. Great book. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, this is a very, uh, very important topic to my heart because I know at 54 that if I'm going to make it to triple digits, I have to take care of my health. And one of those is getting rid of the sugar. And it's scary for a lot of people, but I think it's really important. So I want to thank you for being on the show today. And I just hope that people take what you said and actually, one, become more aware. Two, start making those difficult decisions. And I think as they start feeling better, they're going to go, wow, I feel much better than I did when I was having all the sugar. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here now. Um, yeah, no, we, it's a, we interviewed Gary Tobbs and he is just amazing. So, um, they can go to kick sugar summit and watch the, uh, watch the interview. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show. You are a rock star. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.